0: Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glixman with my tag team partner, Matt Story. And it is a new era in ASU baseball. Now, they didn't sign a sponsorship with new era. Uh, (laughs) I believe there's still a Wilson program. I think so. But uh, the Tracy Smith regime has ended perhaps two seasons too late, maybe three.
1: Maybe three.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, and we asked yeah. in the Willie Bloomquist era return to the golden days and, and, and going back to an internal ASU guy, Tracy Smith was most assuredly not an internal ASU guy. Uh, obviously Murph wasn't either and that worked out fine, but, uh, you know, the Esme era I think was better than the Smith era. I think that that's pretty much in stone now?
1: I think so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, got to a college World Series, got to a Super Regional another time. Those are two things that uh, Tracy Smith did not do. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, the Esme era was obviously, I mean, it started off great because he was left with a great team and and did a good job, you know, and he was the right guy to bridge the, the gap. Um,
0: it was Mark Helfrich. He was.
1: He was. Yes. Yes. Or Bill Guthridge at at North Carolina way back when. He was the right guy. Um, I think I still believe it was the right time to move on from him back in 2014. Just a bad hire. Clearly, clearly the decision was was the wrong one. It it felt like the right one. I mean, and that's the thing is, you know, you couldn't criticize it back then. Uh, He had he had had success at Indiana, got them to a college World Series, which is kind of unheard of. Mm -hmm. for a a program like that and you thought wow okay we we got ourselves a steal and it just didn't it just didn't happen and um you know it's a it's a tough break but that's the way it is um you know i'm glad that ray anderson realized it i i didn't think he would this year i thought you know it'd be another you know just wait till next year and covid is you know
0: covid was hard and and what 2020 we...
1: got stolen from us. And, and you know, I mean, it, it might have. I mean, who knows yeah. what 2020 season might have been. But the fact is that in seven years, you should not just have one good team or great team, I should say. Mm-hmm. And and so even if last year was going to be a great team, and I don't know, you know, the jury's out on that. Uh, you know, that's one out of seven years. And, and so your other six never got past a regional, never hosted a regional never even got to within one win, uh, you know, a, a regional championship game essentially where you were one win away from a super, that is not the standard at ASU. It shouldn't be. And and the one thing that I appreciated that Ray said was, you know, we made the change back then because the program was, was mediocre and, and it's mediocre now. And he didn't say that those exact words, but I know he used the term mediocre yeah. and he's right. And, and so, you know, uh, there are other changes that I think need to be made beyond just a coach, um, and I don't know if those changes will be made. You know, when it comes to finan- financial commitment and things like that, you, you know, you watch some of these super regional games at Arkansas and Texas, and you see the stadiums, and you see the just the, everything about those programs just feels bigger and better than ASU, and, and that leaves you wondering if it can get back to where it should have been all along. But I, I think this is a step in the right direction, at least.
0: Yeah, it, it's, you know, we aren't supposed to be a feel-good story. We are supposed to be dominant. It's supposed to be, you know, what Arizona and UCLA used to be to softball is what ASU used to be to baseball. Right. There used right, to be right. an expectation that, of course, we're in the super regional. Exactly. You know, Exactly. and, we're, and, and we should and be hosting it.
1: We're hosting regionals, <laughs> and we're hosting supers, and we're... We're getting to Omaha when we have those chances. And you know, from from oh five through eleven, we you know, we We hosted regionals six times in those seven years. We we hosted Supers four times in those seven years. We got to Omaha four times. I mean that that was a nice run. Didn't win a championship, unfortunately. You know, And, and that's that's tough, but you know, in some ways, winning a championship is a—it's about luck and the ball bouncing your way and the right breaks. And, well, college baseball
0: know. is a lot like the NHL playoffs. If you get a hot couple pitchers, yeah, that's it. That's the ball game.
1: Exactly. You know. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know. So, uh, I mean, and, and we didn't have that. The best, the best run we had, in I mean, oh five, we, we finished third. Um, to, you know, lost to Texas in, in the, you know, right before the final. 09, you know, we, we won the first game and had a 6 0 lead in the second game with Mike Leake on the mound. And, you know, I, I was part of that travel party. And I'll, I mean, the feeling after three innings of that game was we are on the way to the championship series. And, and it crumbled. And unfortunately, we, we lost again to Texas a second time a couple games later. And that's, you know, where we landed. Uh, 10, we were the number one seed, went 0 2 in Omaha. But, you know, it's about giving yourself chances. You know, you'd love to win one, but uh, you know, it's it's about year after year giving yourself chances, which again, that seven-year stretch and you can go back even a little further. 03 and 04, they were really good. Um, you know, they, they probably got shafted in terms of not hosting in 04, and I believe that was when the Packard was undergoing renovations and they didn't bid. So mm-hmm. they ended up, you know, on the road for a regional when they shouldn't have been. Like, there was about a 10-year window where pretty much every year we were a contender. Yeah. And now we're looking at a 10-year window, or we haven't been, in 10 years since we've been in the Supers, and and really haven't. It doesn't have a team in there that it was like, well, that was a really good team, but they got upset in regionals. No, we, we haven't hosted a regional in that time either.
0: Well, and that right there to me is the key. It's not – I shouldn't say it's not hard to host a regional. For a program of our pedigree – Yeah. With the way college baseball is set up, we should be hosting regionals more often than not.
1: I agree. I agree. I mean, we should, we should, that's top 16 in the nation. And, and our standard should be that not every single year. I mean, no one's going to probably say that every single year, but that, that the majority of the time we're, we're doing that, or at least right there on the border. And, and we really haven't, haven't even been on the border we've we've been a you know an an also ran uh, an obvious two or three seed that's gone on the road and and been dismissed in relatively short order in the years we've made the tournament since 2011 2011 we went to the super in austin won game one lost game two lost game three uh game three in sort of controversial fashion is a you know big call went against us i remember but uh you know that was that was the end of the run, and we haven't we haven't seen that weekend since. And you know, I mean, the, the thing, and you and I texted about it on the day of the selection show, and I was gonna, you know, rant and rave about it. Now it seems like yesterday's news in a way, but the the scene of, of our team, you know, on the day of the selection show with half the guys in the pool, shirtless, and like they're having a big pool party, and I just thought, like, this is this is not what ASU baseball should be. We we should have higher expectations than just making the tournament, and that should be it. I mean, that's what that felt like. It felt like we were celebrating that we were just in, and we didn't, you know, like making the tournament should be a yawn for ASU. It should be a uh, uh, okay. Well, all we did was make the tournament. Now we really got to go prove ourselves, and that's that's not how that felt. Yeah, they it felt classless.
0: Well, and it what it felt like to me was a team that had accomplished its goal. Yeah, and and that's was, that's just not acceptable. That can't not. be the goal.
1: It's not. And when you watch that show, which I, I watched it, and you see, you know, the majority of the other teams that were on were at their facilities, all in the same stuff. You know, Arizona. They show Arizona. Everybody in the room is wearing a red Arizona polo. They're all sitting. There. You know, they look like pros. They look like a team that had more to do, and we look like a team that was ready for summer vacation. And and that I mean Oregon same way Stanford and what do those three teams have in common They were hosting regionals. They looked like they were there for business. They were there to find out okay who's coming to play us and who are we going to have to beat. And we were we were just having a party. And and I I texted you this. I'll stand by it. A Pat Murphy team, a Tim Esme team. I believe a Willie Bloomquist team. Not a chance that happens not a chance that you were on national TV looking like a bunch of frat boys.
0: Yeah. And, and, and look, it's, if this was a recruitment video, fine, but this wasn't a recruitment
1: video. Yeah. I mean, the thing is like, you can have fun. I, I don't want to be a stick in the mud and say like, you know, oh, you should, uh, you know, be buttoned up 24 hours a day. They're college kids, but you're on TV. That show is one hour long. They're going to show you for probably, you know, 30 seconds total. One hour. Look professional. And then have a big party. You know, you want to have a big... You know, it's Memorial Day. It's school year's over. You made the tournament. Have a big party. But don't put the cameras on. Because it's yeah. just a bad look. It's, you, a, it's a Bush League look.
0: You could... It's one of those things where maybe the failure is in the PR department. That you just decline the cameras.
1: Just decline. Yeah, exactly. If you're... I mean, that's, that's a good point And a great... Because... They knew the cameras were on. It's not like the cameras were, you know, in there and, oh, we got caught unprepared because we had— No, I mean, they were one of, I think, 15 teams or whatever that had cameras on them. So that was set up that way. That was done with thought. We're going to have—you know, I don't even know where they were. Obviously, they weren't at the facility because there's not a pool there. I'm assuming they they were were at a coach's house. Yeah, Uh, yeah, I mean, I know— I know one, uh, one year with Murph, you know, the team got together and watched the selection show at his house, um, but not, I mean, I remember that, I, I went, I think it was 08 or 09, one of his last couple of years, and, and, you know, you showed up and everybody was wearing an ASU polo shirt, and, and I don't even think we had cameras on, I don't, I don't believe we had and the cameras there, we just got together to watch and then have a team meeting, and, and you look professional because that's, you know, like, the business isn't done on selection show day, or at least it's not supposed to for, for ASU. We're yeah. not, you know, Fairfield who beat us by the way, but you know, Fairfield gets in, they're having a, so they should, man, that was, that's a big deal for them. An at large bid for a MAC team, that's huge. But for ASU, that should be disappointing. Should be like, ah, yeah, okay. Yes. We're on the road again. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was just, it was an embarrassing look. It was, uh, it was a fitting capper, I think. And, you know, going out to Fairfield, and again, no insult to them, but, you know, when you see that the next game they play Texas and they're so, you know, so challenged for depth that they started a game, a pitcher who had not pitched a game all year, that's not the caliber of team that ASU should be losing to in the tournament. If you're going to lose to Texas, okay, that's one thing. You know, Texas is really good. Um, But to get eliminated by Fairfield two years ago was Southern Miss, uh, you know a solid program that had some success but like, that, but they're that not, should not be the standard
0: yeah they they are not supposed to it, they're not supposed to hang with us or alternatively there shouldn't be an expectation on their side of like well that was a nice win that should right. be a season defining victory right right you know?
1: right you know and and it's and it's not right now and yeah the the standard has taken a hit here and and baseball is really maybe more than any program here, a program that we can, we have deserved arrogance about, you know, like football we've had, we've had some good history in football, but in the grand scheme, we've won two pack 10 titles in 40 years. You know, we, we don't have much to be arrogant about basketball. We have even less. But the baseball is a sport that, that, you know, we should be puffing out our chests and, and raising our heads up high and saying, yeah, we're ASU baseball. And, it's, it's tough to do that right now, but I believe Bloomquist has that passion to get it back. That doesn't mean he will. Again, there's other things that have to be fixed. It's not just him, but you know I, I think he's got an intense passion for ASU. I think he values the history, which I don't believe Tracy Smith did. Uh, I think Tracy Smith wanted to basically make it where the it was his program. And anything that happened before... Was basically irrelevant to him. He was going to put his stamp on things, and again, that's that's not the way to go with ASU baseball because we have an immense, great history. Embrace it. Yeah, you know, make it part
0: of the story. I mean, it's sort of like coming into UCLA basketball and saying, yeah. "I'm I only care about the now."
1: Yeah, or or you know, being the Notre Dame football coach, and you know, uh, I mean, like. You can go too far. Notre Dame is probably a good example. Nebraska football is another one where you become so infatuated with your history that it's like, well, what about making new history? But, you know, you you want to embrace that. Well, you've got it to embrace. Like I said, we don't have a lot of that in in basketball and football. A little bit football, but not a ton. And very little in basketball for us to be like, you know, well, you know, let's embrace our great history. We don't have much. But in baseball, we do. We've got all timers. Two of the all-time great baseball players, Barry Bonds and Reggie Jackson, played here. And year in and year out, all Americans and high draft picks, and uh, you know, we got uh, everything you could want—five national championships. Uh, I mean, there's this this program doesn't lack for anything when it comes to history, and and that should be part of the story.
0: Well, I, exactly. We are second to no school, uh, now, and, and it's across now, decades too.
1: For sure. For sure. I mean. We won in we won three in the sixties, one in the seventies, one in the eighties. I mean, this this I believe is the longest ever drought of not making the College World Series. Eleven years, and I think it I think it was as of maybe two, three, four years ago. Yeah. I mean, we were a, a, a relatively consistent fixture in Omaha until the last ten years.
0: Yeah, and there were years where I mean, I remember there was one where we lost to USC. You know, I think when we were in high school. Game?
1: Yeah. Yeah. 98, yep, yep.
0: And, you know, like, so it wasn't just like we fell off a map. It was we're still around and breaks don't go right. our way. Right, and,
1: and things are different. I mean, and that is that is a problem, I believe, with some ASU fans is they want the 60s back where we were, you know, winning a title every other year. And, like, the sport has changed. It's gotten deeper. The SEC and the ACC and the Big 12, I mean, these, these programs, some of them are so good. And, I mean, Arkansas plays in a stadium that, that you know, it would be a high-end minor league stadium. It's awesome. And and we don't have that and not a lot of, you know, so things have changed. And, and I don't expect us to get back to the Bobby Winkles years where we were, you know, number one in the country every year. But we should be, I mean, we don't have to go back to Bobby Winkles. I just like to get back to what Murph did. You know, what Murph did what, for 15 years, pretty much every year, you started the year and thought, we could win the national title. We've got a roster that's good enough to, to attend. And if we don't have it this year, he's, he's, like 06 was a good example. Wasn't a great team. They made the tournament, road regional loss. But it set the foundation for 07 and 08 where we were great. And, you know, hosted Supers both years and got to the World Series, one of those two.
0: Yeah. And, and so that brings us to the the new era, which yeah. is Bloomquist and can he come back? Um, and do you know can can he lead the comeback? I guess I should say right, right. I, and I I hope so. I'm
1: I hope so. I mean, no one knows. We've we've done enough of these coaching transitions and and things like that that you know we don't know. But again, the only thing I can say I. I feel like I do know is he's got the passion to do everything possible to make that happen. Doesn't mean it will be successful. You got to have more than just passion and he has no coaching experience. And that's a little bit of a concern. I, I will admit, but if he hires good assistants or keeps maybe some of a couple of the assistants that were on the staff, which I think is a good idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, the pitching coach was a guy who really didn't have ties to Tracy Smith. They brought him in from Washington a couple years ago
0: and, he's got and a I good think they already run, announced know. he's retained.
1: I think so, too, yeah. So, I mean, like it, it'd be good to keep some stability because it does feel like, you know, this was this was a team that had a lot of freshman contributors. And, you, you know, it feels like, okay, maybe with the change in approach, we've got some talented pieces that, you know, by next year, we could be pretty darn good. I'm not saying we're going to be top ten in the country, but I'm also not not saying that. Like, I, I think there's, there's the... The talent there, it sounds like, need better better health pitching wise. I mean, having you know three guys have to have Tommy John early in the year is tough. Um, but then you got to ask yourself, what are you, what are you doing wrong that you have yeah. that many guys like that? You know, well,
0: so, how are you it, not how are you not evaluating that aspect of it? And and look, right, what one part of this for Bloomquist, I I agree, he's not the you know former bench coach of three different colleges and a minor league manager. He he's a guy who went to the MLB to not playing, not coaching, to head coach of NC baseball. But has he been watching the game? Does he have connections from his playing days with guys and their kids?
1: Exactly. You know? exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know, I, I think the attempt here now it's a very different there's there's the analogy only goes so far. But I know that they said this—that this is, you know, they kind of want to make it like the football model. Yeah. Now the analogy doesn't really work because Herm, while not having a ton of college coaching experience, had decades worth of coaching experience. Uh, it had been a while, and it was certainly a questionable move. It felt like at the time, um, but uh, you know, I think that's the idea: is hey, okay, Willie, go be the face of the program. You're the you're the face. You're the charismatic presence that can get kids to come to ASU, and we can put you on TV and, and really tout how great ASU can be, uh, and a, a tie to the history, and then, you know, have good assistants that can handle the...
0: Managing and the O's. pitch counts. Right, right, you right. know, you
1: know the, the, yeah, yeah, and, and that works, potentially, we, we don't know if it'll work here, but it can work, so I, I'm, I'm, all I can say, I guess, is that I'm, I'm excited that they made the change because I think it was necessary and I'm excited they got somebody who's an ASU guy. And I don't always believe in that stuff. You know, we've discussed that. I, I that for other schools as well, like, you know, gotta, you, you can't be so confined to an ASU guy, but I think that's what the program needed right now. I'm not saying it always will need it and that we can never hire outside the alumni base, but the last few years have made people feel kind of alienated a lot of the a lot of the former players have felt, you know, disregarded and this guy will change that. You will have guys come back and throw out the first pitch and be there for the first game and have an alumni game or something like that. And there there will be more a feeling of that community that we used to do so well that we've really gotten away from.
0: Yeah. You you need to embrace it. Yeah. And and we've talked yeah. about this with like with the aspects of the program that don't have a history, we scratch and claw and, and beg to hang on to and, and remind people of the James Harden era right, or, or right. to remind people of, you know, the Rose Bowl teams that are 24 and 34 seasons ago, Right. you know, right, exactly. If, if, yes. it's like baseball, Dustin yes, I mean. Pedroia just retired having yeah. a Dustin Pedroia day would be great because we yeah. watched him play when we were there.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and, and recruits watched him, you know, yeah. young baseball players. They, they saw Dustin Pedroia with the Red Sox and they saw him have success. And and so, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, like, you know, bring that history back and you're, you're dead on. I mean, God, we, you know, we still live in the shadow of that 96 Rose Bowl team. And I, I mean, I've commented on this to you. Like I, I want, I want another team to, to put that team in the, in the shadows a bit, not because I have anything against that team, but just because like, you know, that was 25 years ago. Now we, we should want something more uh, or something new at least. And, and yeah, I mean with ASU, yeah, we haven't won a national title since 81. And That's 40 seasons now, but we've been in the college world series a bunch since then we've had first round picks and MLB stars. And I mean, gee, I know he's not the most popular guy, but you know, the all time home run King who just set that record less than 15 years ago is an ASU guy.
0: Well, like, and, I mean, we, and that's a fan base here. that has embraced him. You know, us yeah. and the giants fans yes. are, yes. are the yes. two fan bases that have said, Barry Bonds is our guy. He's and ours. say, right. say what you want. He's our guy. And to, to his credit, Bonds has sort of done that to ASU. To the extent yeah. Bonds has warm fuzzies expressed right. about anything, he right. speaks fondly of his decision to come here and his time to
1: Exactly, yeah. And so, I mean, yeah, have him. Now, he, I mean, look, he's not going to be at every game, but, I mean, you know, get him out to a game. Have him, have him be there. Have him talk to the team uh Pedroia certainly. I mean, you know, and I, I, I absolutely think Pedroia will be involved because because Bloomquist and Pedroia are two guys I know who, you know, they they worship at the altar of Pat Murphy. They are Murph disciples through and through. And so I, I would absolutely think Pedroia will be involved in the program. I don't think he's going to be an assistant coach or anything. Um, although if he wanted to be, that'd be fantastic. But you know, have him there. Have him, you know, come out a few times a year and. Work with the team, or be there for fall ball, or whatever. Like, that. yeah, absolutely. You got to take advantage of that.
0: Yeah, well, and there are so many guys who, you know, that more so now than I think he did for decades. But Reggie Jackson talks about his time yes. at ASU more and yes, more. Yes, yes. You know, yes, there are guys I mean, who get get the kids, get their parents.
1: Yes, you know, yes. get the star power here and and. Count the history, and, I, and I, I do believe that'll happen. And again, I mean, I, I I said this, you know, talking to somebody else. I said, you know, like, what what ASU, what I want from ASU is embrace the history and then go make more. I don't want to live off the past. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to just sit around the campfire and talk about how great Dustin Pedroia was because he hasn't played here for 17 seasons. Yeah. But I want to talk about how great Dustin Pedroia was, and then I want to get the next Dustin Pedroia, and I want to watch him play so that 10 years from now I can say, man, remember that guy played at ASU and now he's an all-star? Uh, you know, And that's what it should be and, and what it was. And we're less and less of that the last handful of years.
0: So before we switch to talk about the college football playoff, I want to share a, a Willie Bloomquist story. Yes, um, yes. So way back when, Team USA trained at High Corbett. Uh, okay. And they would play you know, their exhibition games and and their qualifier games at High Corbett. And Bloomquist was a member of a Team USA team. Uh, And there was, I remember going to this game when I was a kid. It was us and and the two neighbors across the street. Uh, So me, my brother, and these two brothers, we went to the game. One of the other family, the younger brother, left his glove on the field uh, during fireworks night. So the glove, you know, we were sitting like in the, down the, Right field line. There was the bullpen out in the field at High Corbett. So we were sitting out there uh, for the fireworks show. He left his glove. Okay. The next day, they get a call. Hey, I found your glove because his phone number was in it. I found your glove. How can I get it back to you? And it wasn't the team saying someone found it. It was Willie Bloomquist found it, and he called to return the glove. Nice. And and at this point was back when I you know was. I think it must have been in middle school and I yeah. you know, really wanted to be a sports reporter and I had started working, you know, writing for like the kids paper in Tucson. And so I had them ask if he would let me interview him. And he's like, Oh, absolutely. So I interviewed Willie Bloomquist 16 years ago because he returned the glove of my next door neighbor.
1: Wow. Nice. And nice. So good deal.
0: He's a good guy. You
1: yeah. Know? Yeah. And, I mean, and, and I've never met him, but that is, that is the consensus that I've heard is, you know, he's, he's a guy who will, you know, and that's what the program needs. A good guy, a guy who will, who will embrace people who will just, you know, Smith was, was kind of a standoffish character. He got in a lot of Twitter spats with people and he blocked people on Twitter. He cared a
0: lot about his mentions and and I want a coach who doesn't
1: hundred percent. Yes, he did. And, and yeah, I mean, that just, uh, that just doesn't work. It it just does not work. And so I, uh, yeah, I mean, I I think absolutely that's, that's the case. And I, yeah, I mean, I, I, that's a cool story. Uh, never, never heard that one before. I like that, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I just think it's going to be a good thing. Will it result in wins and losses and, and the things we're talking about hosting regionals, winning conference titles, getting to Omaha, the jury's out on that. We'll find out and we'll see. But, um, at the very least I just think it'll make people feel better about program. And and that was something that ASU baseball had. It was, it was like a, like a big family and, and you felt good about it. And you saw these guys come and go. And I, I think there's a lot less of that lately. And that's the first challenge he's got.
0: Yeah. Well, guys would come and go, but then they'd come back or they, sure. you know, sure. you'd, I remember when we were there. Like Paul LaDuca came back. Andre Ethier would come back every once in a while. Yeah, yeah, um,
1: yeah. And that's that's what it should be. And and, uh, and and I think that will. I mean, you know, look, this is this is a tie to Murph. You know, I I was hoping we'd bring Murph back. I don't think that was ever realistically looked at. But this is maybe the next best thing um, because you know the the Brock years, the Wachowskis years, those are a long time ago. Um, and, and not to say you should alienate those guys if, you know, Barry Bonds or Reggie Jackson or, you know, the, the like want to be part of things, Bob Horner. Yeah, absolutely. They should be. But, you know, we, we have a lot of great recent history with Murph. We have all stars, guys who, who have been in the Bigs for a, a decade or so and, and had really mm-hmm. good careers, some who are still there. Austin Barnes, is a, you know, was a starter on the Dodgers World Series team last year, played for yeah. Murph and Ed. Kipnis. Like, you know, Kipnis. Uh, so hard uh, You know. So guards. That, yeah, I mean, going on a decade now. Uh, I mean, there's and and some guys didn't make it the bigs for a long time, but you know, Brett Wallace was was a conference player of the year twice and a first round pick. I well, Davis he, was a first round pick. Uh,
0: he was very excited about this coaching hire.
1: I know he was. I saw that. Yes, yes, and I, I just think having guys like that in the mix is what you need. You you know, I mean, I, it's one of the things I remember that Texas football did so well under Mac Brown is. You know, you'd see them at every, you know, certainly when they'd go to bowl games or big, you know, championship games, or you'd see the sidelines full of former players because they still felt like a part of that program. And it just, you know, it was, it was, again, I mean, you know, the word family is used a lot. It's cliche in sports, but that's how ASU baseball felt. It was one big family with, you know, guys would play there and then they, you know, when I say come and go, I mean, they you know, like you said, they, they, yeah, they get there, they play, they play three years, whatever, and they go on, but they still felt like part of it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just not been that way. And I, I, you know, I haven't been on the inside of things like I was fortunate enough to be for, for four years there with Murph and Esme, I, you know, so I can't criticize completely, but I can tell you how it feels on the outside. And that is, I mean, I didn't go to that many games because it just didn't, it didn't feel the same part of that's the stadium. You know, we've discussed that, I, and that's not changing back, uh, you know, but, but, you know, it was just a new coach, new stadium, new everything, and it just was like, this isn't the same ASU baseball I loved, and, and I think it'll feel closer to that with this guy in charge.
0: I agree. Well, let's talk about something else you love, uh, the college football playoff. The advisory committee has uh, issued their report, and they yeah. said, listen to this podcast. Uh, because their proposal is basically this you, proposal.
1: It's pretty darn close. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think uh, if this gets put into place, our new tagline should be "Inventor of the 12 Team College Football Playoff." I
0: think so too.
1: Because I never—I mean, I, I say that facetiously, but never really heard that discussed much when we talked about it. And and I remember after our conversation in January, thinking really like this. And God, you know, like it was one of those where I thought, man, I wish I had like a line to somebody who mattered and I could say, Hey, I like this idea. It makes sense. And by God, they kind of landed on it with the, with a couple of tweaks that some I like and some I don't, but I I do like the 12 teams. I mean, that's the big thing. I think that's the headliner. Uh, I think it's a good, solid number. And I think the way they're going to get to 12 with the six conference champs, but not telling you which six conferences, not doing automatic bids, just highest ranked six conference champs. I kinda like that. That's a, that's sort of an ingenious way to go about it.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say, I think that's a great system <coughs> simply because it gives your chanticleers. It does. Or your raging cajuns an opportunity. Now, a shot. Bi- yeah. biggest loser, Notre Dame. No chance at a buy, unless they yeah. join a power and, conference. And
1: so that's one of those things that I am curious if, you know, this is a recommendation as of now. So things could be tweaked. Now, I realize, I mean, the Notre Dame AD was part of this committee that put it together. So that's interesting and notable. But I do wonder if that will change. And I mean, and I don't say this simply because of Notre Dame. I just think your top four should be your top four. I think if, if, you know, Alabama and Georgia both go 12-0 and 0, and the winner, you know, wins the SEC and the loser, you know, I'm not sure I would go along with the idea that the loser has to go to five or later. I don't, I don't love that idea, part of it.
0: Yeah, for me, I, I don't know why they can't do an NBA style um, where you – the division winner is the tiebreaker. But you can, you know, you can still be a lower seed.
1: Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. That's one thing I would, I mean, if, if you, you know, it's up to me, I would like to see just, just the top four, because what if, what if Notre Dame, which plays mostly major conference opponents, you know, ends up probably playing nine, 10 major conference opponents every year. What if they go 12 and 0 and nobody else is undefeated? gonna tell them they're the fifth best team in the country just because they're not in a conference. I don't I don't love that.
0: Yeah. Maybe it incentivizes Notre Dame to join a conference.
1: I mean maybe it does. And again, Notre Dame can't complain about this because their A D was one of the four on the on the committee that put this together. So mm-hmm. they they obviously had a say in it and, and I suppose that guy could have, you know, put his foot down and said, Nope, we're not doing this and he didn't. Um, but yeah, I mean now now I will say, you know, one of the reactions to this is, you know, well, you know, last year that would have meant the Pac-12 didn't get in because they didn't have this. Last year the Pac-12 played six games max. So reading into last year at all about anything as far as what's going to happen in the future is dumb. I mean, it's it's just dumb. You know, Oregon played five games before the Pac-12 title game and only got in because Washington couldn't play because they only played four games and had to sit, you know, so, like, come on. Last year's not a fair assessment.
0: Well, and I'll throw this out there, and maybe this is an unpopular opinion, but okay. Like, okay. Exactly. If, yeah. You know, if your conference, for whatever reason, doesn't have a team ranked high enough to get in,
1: then they shouldn't be in. Then you don't yeah.
0: get in. I, you know? And
1: what that does, too, and I, I think I texted you this, is it prevents the, and this happens. It's happened in the Pac 12, it's happened in the ACC. You know, a division winner that's 7-5 and five overall, and they pull an upset, I don't want that team in the playoff. You know, if 7-5 and five Pitt beats 12-0 Clemson, I don't want 8-5 and five Pitt in the playoff. That prevents that from happening, probably. So I, I like that in the sense of not saying the ACC champ gets in. No. You know, if, if the ACC champ is among the top 12 or top six conference winners, they get in. And most of the time, they're going to. I mean, I... I went back because I heard the jokes about the Pac-12 and, oh, they, you know. So I went back and looked, 14 through 19. Every year, the champion would have made it. And I believe four of those six years, the second-place team would have made it too. And mm-hmm. one year, the third-place team, there would have been, I think it was 2016, there were three Pac-12 teams in the top 12. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think anybody needs to be alarmed that, oh, the Pac-12 still isn't going to get in. If they don't deserve it, sure, I agree with you completely. But reading into 2020, when the Pac-12 champion was the second-place team in the North and played six total games, that's not going to happen on a regular basis.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So look at look at the years where everybody played their normal amount of games and then judge. And I believe in those six years, the five major conference champs would have made it every single year, and it would have been, the other one would have been, the team that, that essentially made the new year six. So it was what Boise, Houston, Western Michigan, UCF, a couple times, and Memphis, I believe. Okay, I mean I'm I'm good with that. I like that.
0: Yeah, I'm not as as I've think I've made pretty clear from our talks. I'm not opposed to a smaller school who wins out getting yeah. a shot.
1: Yeah, I, and I look, think this opens up the door to everybody. And and that's not the case now.
0: If they get smashed, they get smashed. Sure,
1: sure. But at least it gives them a shot. At least, first of all, I think for, you know, thinking about this, because I always think about it from different perspectives, from like an ASU fan perspective. You know, you give me this format, and I feel like, okay, if we win 10 games and we win the conference, we're going to go to the playoffs. And that's like looking at this year. We think this year could be a pretty good year for us. If we go 10-2. and and then we win the Pac-12 title game. That's probably not good enough to make a 14 playoff. It might be, but not likely. You know, mm-hmm. we'd we need a lot of other things to go our way, and that's kind of discouraging. When you you know we're we're a we're a power five team, you be like you know 11 wins and a conference title. I'm like, well, oh, sorry. Nice yeah. consolation prize. You can go to the Rose Bowl, which again, not not something to sneeze at for ASU, but it's not the ultimate goal anymore.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say like that's the question. Like, it it would be nice to go to a Rose Bowl, and I would not yeah. be mad at going to a Rose oh, Bowl. Oh sure, sure. But if our if what we're saying for this team is this team could win a, a national title, well, they're gonna have to be better than Oklahoma, yeah, two or three SEC schools, uh, two or three Big Ten schools, yeah, and Clemson, Clemson. yeah, <laughs> and and Notre Dame.
1: That's right. Exactly. I mean, that's, that's a tough bar to clear. So, uh, you know, the 12 teams, what that does, I think, is it basically tells everybody in the power Five, hey, if you're, if you're a 10 plus win team and you win your conference, you're going to go to the playoffs. So it, it opens that for everybody. And in the non power five, there's not much margin for error here, admittedly. But I think what it says is you go undefeated, you got a pretty darn good chance to get in. Because it's highly unlikely in a normal season, which again 2020 wasn't one, that we're going to have two group of five teams both go undefeated. Highly unlikely. Because there are, I mean, the reason Coastal went undefeated in Cincinnati, they didn't play anybody out of conference from the Power Five. That's not normally the case.
0: Right. And and on some level, it, it kind of incentivizes you also to try to schedule those games so that you get seen. So that let's right. say you're competitive against a Georgia yeah. and then you go you wind up eleven and one. Right. Then people say, Well, and remember you in conference. week one they were competitive with yeah. Georgia.
1: So you've got the, the position to be that sixth conference champ. I I like it. I mean I, I think it's I really do. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna criticize another element of this here coming up, but I'm gonna start positive. I like the highest ranked sixth conference champs, I like six at large's I, I think it's good. I think what it'll do is it'll get every team in that should deserve a chance. And there, there's probably going to be some years where teams, you know, get in that you think, eh, they're not really that good. I can't believe we're putting this to, you know. But then they have to earn it. I mean, I, I've read, you know, oh, you're going to have a three-loss team in the playoff. You will, no doubt. But that three-loss team will have to win four games, one on the road, according to this format, and another... Two against you know, then then against the top four team, then against probably another top four team, and then in the championship. So if you do that, you've earned it. I mean we we don't we don't look at the nine and seven New York Giants of 0-7 and say wow they lost seven games they shouldn't have even been in the playoffs. No, it's like wow they earned it, man. They won four road games in a row. That's pretty impressive.
0: Agreed. So what? Where do you want to go on the part you don't like? Is it where you're traveling to? <laughs>
1: the neutral site quarters and semis, uh, the bowl game sites. Now semis doesn't surprise me because that's how it is now. I, I don't, so I'll say this. I don't like, and it just does not make sense to me that you're saying, okay, seeds five through eight, get an extra home game seeds One through four. Don't that doesn't add up to me. To me, if you're going to do, if you're going to do neutral site, bowl game site, just do it for the whole thing. Make it like the NCAA basketball tournament. Every, you know, pick four more bulls or maybe do a rotation of, you know, twelve bulls and four, you know, every you know, one every three years you get a first round game and and go that route. I don't love that, but at least that would have more logic than saying, sorry, you know, Alabama, you went thirteen and 0 you're the number one seed, but you don't get to host a game. Sorry for you.
0: So what you'd rather do is have the first two rounds be hosted by the home
1: sites. I think so, because I mean, think it's it basically thinking about it like the NFL. let I mean, think of the NFL if it was like you know, let's use this past year. The Chiefs and the Packers were the one seeds, right?
0: Yeah.
1: So that so basically, what you'd be saying is, you know, congratulations, you get the week off. Kansas City, you get to play your first game at AT and T Stadium, and Green Bay, you get to play it at Ford Field. They're like what? You know, like I mean, why can't we just play at home? Give us the home field advantage we earned.
0: Yeah, it is weird when you break it down like that. Um,
1: it's, it's at just least do it, if you
0: at least do it for the first two rounds. You also aren't repeating a home site guaranteed.
1: No, no exactly. Because five through eight would host first round. One through four would host second round. And then if you want to go neutral, now again, I, you know, if I if it was. It's kind of one of those like if I was the czar of everything, what would I do? I'd have home field all the way through and have, and have the final as a neutral, but home field up to there, like the NFL does. But I realize the bowls matter to some. I mean, they, and that's that's the root of this. That's the crux of this. People in college football just can't quit the bowl games. They, they just can't do it. And and it's like you know all the talk last year of oh we moved the Rose Bowl to AT and T Stadium this is this is the end for bowl games as we know it I think it was a bunch of hot air because this plan keeps the Bulls in place the same way it's been
0: yeah I was gonna say on some level it's uh, actually reinforcing the the power structure with the Bulls it is saying, it is look look you're gonna get these better teams now than you would yeah. have you otherwise gotten yeah. It's, it's, I mean, I think it was Andy Staples who I know
1: has been beating the drum for the home field, but it's, it's cronyism. It's, you know, these, these old guys who work the Bulls, man, they are, they are shrewd operators and they get ADs and presidents and high ranking people and they bring them out to Arizona in the winter or Florida or whatever. And they, they play golf at fancy golf courses and they put them up at nice hotels and they serve them the finest meals. And and it's, it's hard to say no to, I'm sure. I mean, it's hard to thumb your nose at that. And, and you know, the, the media, Andy Staples being an exception, but most of the media is not really going to be all that much clamoring for a, you know, mid-December trip to Columbus, Ohio, instead of going to, say, you know, Miami. I mean, it's just, you know, like people aren't going to be like, oh, no, please send me to Ann Arbor, Michigan in, on New Year's Eve instead of going to Pasadena.
0: Yeah, I, you know, it, the teams who are going to get hurt by this structure are the teams from the Big Ten. And Absolutely, the, ACC. the Big
1: Ten. Yeah, I think the Big Ten more than any because if you if you presume that the six Bulls that will host the quarters and semis are the same six that host the, you know the semis now, which I think it will be, there's not one in Big Ten country. It's it's Miami, New Orleans, Atlanta. Dallas, Phoenix, Pasadena. You know, so there's there's if Ohio. I mean, I gave you the example. Ohio State. You know, gets the number one seed. Where do you send them? Dallas, I guess. Probably the closest to them. Maybe Georgia.
0: Yeah. Well, and it just becomes. Uh. How can I put this? It, it just becomes an issue. When you say this, and you say look, we're just trying to be fair. Well, that's not fair. Now, I, I question, though, as I'm saying this, yeah. do you remember when the Vikings tried to play it, or had to play at the Gopher Stadium and it and it wasn't years. winterized that right. first right. year to play late-season right. games? Right. I wonder if there's some hesitation for that of, well, what if they're just not prepared?
1: There probably is. And, and again, I, I can't argue with with the idea, whether it's that or, or just in general, that travel and, and, you know, game conditions, certainly. I mean, going to play at AT&T Stadium on December 30th, 31st, January 1st, you know, you can control. It's a closed roof. Uh, you can control the atmosphere. And you can if you send, if the, you know, quarterfinal is in Michigan or Michigan State or Wisconsin or Ohio State or any of those places. I, I absolutely can't argue that point. That's what football is. We don't get to control it when the Packers host the NFC title game and they played the Giants in 2007, and it was you know minus temperatures, wind chill, but it was a great game. It's a it's a classic game because it's football. That's what football's supposed to be. It's supposed to be played in the elements. Yeah. And uh, so I don't know. I mean, I I you know I read and I guess it's probably a, a, an interesting point that you know the contract for the initial playoff goes through 2025 and that contract includes these six bowl games. And I think it was Andy Staples who give him credit again, because he wrote a good article that said, you know, okay, if you got to fulfill the contract to these bowl games for 12 years, make this a three year deal to do it this way. And then at the end of the three years, tear it up and, and, you know, go to at least home field for the first two rounds. Yeah. Makes sense. And, and there's some logic to that. Um, but again, my thought is, if you're going to do bulls, then just do it all the way. Just you know, just make it all the way. You, know, you, know, you want to prop up these bull games. You want to make them seem more important. So take those six. They host your quarters and semis on a rotating basis. And then, like I said, take take you know, eight, 12, 16 more and have them rotate in to host that first round. So that once every you know three years, the Sun Bowl gets a first-round game. Or the Alamo Bowl or the Liberty Bowl or something like that. Okay. You know, eh. I don't love that, but at least it would have more logic than what they're proposing now.
0: Yeah, exactly. I don't know. It's a weird. It's a weird system. If they I mean, don't, if they don't it shift, is. but but I, I get that it's contracts and also, ESPN owns half the bowls. Like, so you they gotta, do. you're gonna have to placate them.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just, it just really reiterates. And, and we, again, I, I think people really underestimated it with all the takes last year when the Rose Bowl got moved and stuff. Like, like you know, it just it reiterates how entrenched the bowls are in the power structure of college football. It's not going to be as easy as we all think it should be to turn away from them. Because here is the thing: if you if you do what what I'm saying, and you say. Okay, you know these bull these six bulls. Every three years they get a semifinal, and then outside of that, they they get you know something else. Well, then the Rose Bowl is going to end up with the fourth place Big Ten team and the third place Pac-12 team, and they don't want that because mm-hmm. it's hard to sell that. I mean, it's it's hard to sell you know Northwestern eight and four against uh, Washington nine and three as the Rose Bowl, the granddaddy of them all. It's not, uh, you know, so. Now, here's the other thing I thought about. This plan happens as is. The days of Big Ten, Pac-12, Rose Bowl is over because they'd be hosting a playoff game every year.
0: Has to be. Has to be. Over. I mean, yeah,
1: there's, I, there's now, no more of that at all.
0: Now, I, I wonder how this all ties into the NCAA name image likeness. and Yeah. Because you know, yeah. right now, doesn't it feel a little bit like the NCAA in terms of football is being held together with bubblegum and tape Yeah, a little bit. You know, it just feels like it could all fall apart here. You know, I I don't think Emmert's testimony was particularly strong uh, in front of Congress from everything I read. And, you know, these states are moving forward. They are. They're making these rules. And and schools are going to be put in this sort of trick box where there's no acceptable outcome.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you see the... The freshman Georgia quarterback has an endorsement deal ready to start July
0: one with something. I can't. I can't remember what company. Oh, and I'm I didn't, like, wow, I didn't see that
1: Brock Vandegrift. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's not going to be the starter this year, probably, but he's five star, and yeah, he's got a deal lined up to start. And I'm like, man, that that is a sign of the times, and I'm okay with it, hundred percent okay with it. Yeah. Um. But uh, you know, yeah, it's it's. You're right. It it, it is, and. And that's so. That's the other point. You know, you mentioned that. I, I, you know, I've heard the belaboring and the moaning about. You know, well, this is going to mean that teams are playing sixteen games, and it's like, if you haven't been upset that the FCS has been playing sixteen games, and they have been North Dakota State twenty nineteen went sixteen and zero, then you know, save it. Spare me with the whining about the FBS because the FCS Division Two, the winner of Division Two, played 15 two years ago. Um, and they're getting a whole lot less uh, exposure and benefits and all that than FBS players. So is that a lot of games? No doubt. But if it's okay for FCS kids to do, then it's okay for FBS players to do.
0: Yeah. It just uh, – yeah. It, it's one of those things where people just are getting on their high horse, and yeah. I don't yeah. think they've you know been able to assess whether they should. No, I agree. I
1: think – yeah. I, I think – Well, as with most sports related things, you know, people get on their high horse and they don't they don't think they just react. And and, you know, that's, I guess, just the way it is now with everything, probably, but definitely sports. Um, But, you know, I heard that, you know, well, you're going to ask these kids and you're not paying them. Well, first of all, no, I don't think you're going to be paying them, but they are very soon going to be entitled to make money. And good for them. They should. Uh, Zero problem with that. So just, you know, spare me the, 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 you know, chest beating about how terrible it is that they're going to be playing 16 games I and mean, they're playing 15. Now it's not like we're going from 11 well, to 16 or something like
0: that. It's two schools.
1: It's two teams. Exactly. I was going to say that it's not everybody, you know, the, the, uh, so I mean, if, unless a team from the first, you know, from five through 12 makes the final, Yeah, you'd have two schools that played 16. If a team 5 through 12 goes to their conference title game, which some won't, but goes to their conference title game and then goes all the way to the final, they'd be playing 17. Pretty rare that that would happen, I would think.
0: Yeah. And if it does, we should pay them.
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean, mean, here's
0: where the question lies for me. And then, you know, we can wrap up. But yeah, what happens if your team is... LSU, and you're the five seed, and you've got two guys who are elite who say no, no thanks. Well, we're going pro, so we're this isn't this isn't meaningful to us anymore.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: You know, does that impact seating? Do you say like, well, wait a second? You know, like how the NCAA for basketball selection committee does take injuries into account? Yeah,
1: I mean, and that would be. I mean that's an interesting one. I I don't I don't know. I feel like if you're in the playoffs, I'd be surprised if that happens a lot. Unless a guy's injured or something like yeah, You know, Nick Bosa a few years ago got injured and then okay, that's a different story. And you know, but um, I think I mean I think this this expansion is in part not solely by any means, but in part aimed at the opt-outs the Kyle Pittses of the world who, you know, play for a top 10 team and said, oh, the Cotton Bowl means nothing to me. But if in a 12 team playoff, Florida would have made the playoff, probably he's playing for them. I mean, you'd expect so at least.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: Because there's something on the line. You're playing for something. And and I think that's the goal. And I, again, I, I like that. Now, see, I, I thought you were going a different direction. And one that I, I think I... Maybe mention to you, although I think I, I, I didn't say this to you in text, but LSU, let's say you're the five seed and the four seed gets sent to the Sugar Bowl and then LSU wins and basically has home field advantage in that game or something along those lines. Or let's say LSU's the eight seed and the number 1 seed goes to the Sugar Bowl. Like, this is why I don't like this whole, oh, neutral site, but we'll give them geographic preference. Like uh, You could still end up at a disadvantage depending on who you're playing.
0: Well, and part of the issue is you can't – if you do it that way for teams one through four, you can't let them wait, you know? No. Like you can't no. let – because, you know, one way to make it maybe more fair is to say, look, the you get to pick. The one gets to pick where they want to go, then right. the two, then the three. Right, but right. But you got to sell tickets. So if you're number one Ohio State right. and you say, well, the, the cheapest flight from Columbus is to Dallas – so we'll play it at AT and T. Yeah, and then the you know, but then it turns out that the number eight seeded you know TCU Horn Frogs, right, right, or know.
1: Oklahoma or Texas or yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, then you're you're basically the road team.
0: So I don't know. Yeah,
1: yeah. I don't know. I mean, this is uh, that's that's why I don't like the idea of this. You know, home field for the first round, but that, like just just don't do it at all. Again, if you want. If you want to try to preserve the bowls, there's. The, I mean, to me, that's a golden opportunity to take a, a batch of the the lower tier bowls, not the you know the games that are on December seventeenth, but the you know the middle tiers, the, the Gator, the Citrus, the Outback, the Alamo, those type of games. The sun and make them in the sun. Yeah, you know, make them your first round sites on a rotating basis. So again, you know, you you know, as a resident of Orlando, that. You know, once every three years, the Citrus Bowl is going to have a a playoff game. That's appealing, I would think. Um,
0: You know, I put the names back. Do what you did for the college football player. Just say you did. You know, you gotta, you gotta gotta have a traditional
1: name. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, or if you or if you don't want that, then you're not part of it. Uh, You know. So I I mean, I don't know. Uh, You know, I just I think again, and well, not again. I don't think I said this selfishly. As a as a Phoenix resident, the idea that the Fiesta Bowl would host a playoff game every year is a, is enticing. I mean, like okay, that that'd be kind of cool. You know, one once every three years you get a semifinal, two out of the other the other two years you get a quarter. Fun, but as a football fan, I think they should be at home fields because that's where the, that's where the games are played when they're at their best. You want the best environments, you play it at Ohio Stadium or the Swamp or. Zealand or wherever. Well, and, it would uh, and make those make are the places you dream more of. More meaningful. Yes, yes, yeah. To go on the road and win. Yeah, I mean, you know, like because it's also uh, you I mean, playing in, front, you know, as a.
0: Uh, I look. I this might shock you. Was never a major college athlete, but I imagine <laughs> that playing in front of you know seventy five thousand fans as yeah. opposed to. 20,000 fans, and 55,000 corporate-sponsored tickets.
1: Right, right, right. You know. I mean, you know, uh, think about it from just our perspective. What do we try to do every year? We haven't said, you know what, let's, let's go to the Peach Bowl. No, we've said, let's go see a game at Florida. Let's go see a game at Alabama. Let's go to Georgia. You know, the places we want to go in the future. You know, and those are, look, some of those stadiums I've been to. I've been to AT and T. It was awesome. I've been to the Mercedes Benz. It was all aw- like they're they're cool stadiums, but they're not college football cathedrals like going to the Swamp or Bryant Denny or those type of places. That that's you know those are the places that really resonate.
0: Absolutely.
1: So, I don't know, man. I mean, again, we're probably uh, barking up a tree that that's not going to be fruitful because the, the bull game still. Are deep in the blood of college football decision makers, and I, I don't, I don't know. I guess I was, I was naive and just assuming that you know, I'd be like, well, all right, we're gonna have the first two rounds at home sites. I, I, I whiffed on that element. I guess.
0: I think they just stopped listening to the podcast, and now they'll, they'll I guess, go back and I guess. listen to the yeah, second yeah. <laughs> half. Of, you know, it's a whole thing.
1: I suppose. I suppose so. Yeah. If they yeah, copied
0: everything we said right away, it would be more obvious to everyone. They'd, that they'd, they'd have to give
1: played. us credit, and yeah, exactly. You're right. You're right. Yeah. So you know, hey, it's uh, the bottom line is I like it. I, you know, there's there's again there's little parts of it that I think, but you know, I I think it's a, a solid improvement for college football. I know the the moaning and wailing. You know, it's going to ruin the regular season, and you know, uh, I don't I don't see that. Um, I mean, there's going to be less games. There won't be as many games that feel like, oh, this is, this is for everything in the regular season. Yeah. But here's, here's a counter to that. I was thinking of it yesterday, and it just hit me out of nowhere. Two of the biggest regular season games of our lifetime are 1993 Notre Dame-Florida State and 2011 LSU-Alabama. And do you realize that the losers of both of those games went on to win the national championship for that season?
0: I did not think about that, but yes.
1: So so that kind of bends the argument that, oh, well, now we're going to lose those type of games because those games really weren't make or break anyway. We thought they were. It turns out they weren't.
0: It's it's going to be interesting. As Kirby Smart said, it's going to be much different than any other change. It is. So, it
1: is. It's a big change, and it's uh, that's something we don't see in college sports that often is a big change. Uh, usually it's incremental. You know, I think everybody just assumed the first expansion would be to eight, and then they'd go further. And so, I, I I like this. That's one thing I'll give them immense credit for: is they're not just moving the ball along the road slowly. They're saying, "Okay, let's really try to address this." And I I like that part.
0: I think I think these are positive changes. Personally. I do
1: too. I do too. I think it opens up it opens up the sport to feel like if you're an ASU fan, if you're a Purdue fan, if you're a TCU fan, that your team can make the playoff. And right now you probably don't feel that way unless you go 12-0. Yeah.
0: Well, I think that does it until we get a, a more detail on when and if these yeah. changes will be implemented.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I don't, I think it'll happen. It sounds like 2023 at the earliest, you know, two, two more years like this at least. Um, which is also a, you know, perfect interval for the, you know, it's nine of the 12 years, so you've evenly dispersed the, the hosts of the semifinals and all of that. It's, that's a, an easy break point to, to move on.
0: Uh, you know, I think it makes sense. The People's far smarter and more well-connected than <laughs> us on this stuff have have already said it makes sense. Have so. figured
1: it out, right, right, yeah. I think that's... Uh, it seems likely, and I mean, you know, if the if the committee is proposing it, and these people are part of the decision makers, it I mean, it feels like this is going to happen. There could be some adjustments to the formula, but I, I think the twelve team expansion is is a sure thing. I'd be I mean, I'd be surprised if it's not based on what we've seen so far.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll be back. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the NBA playoffs uh, and whatever else tickles our fancy. That's right. <laughs> Until next time, he's Matt. I'm Bennett. It's the Bennett Matt Sports Guest.